We'd like to welcome everyone to the uh, Culture of Agriculture, sponsored by Spudnik Equipment. I'm Brett Rigby. I will be your host today. Uh, we are pleased to have Richard Johnson with us from Lemkin Equipment. Uh, longtime friend, uh, long, also worked together a lot. So, Richard, tell us a little bit about uh, you and kind of your history a little bit and and uh, we can kind of reminisce a little bit here to start with. Yeah, you know, we can go back to 1985 <laughs> in college. Uh, had a lot of good times there. And uh, Are we smarter now or not? I think we're probably a little more wiser than we are smart. <laughs> um, we got plenty of bruises and scars of, uh, you know. Industry. The, the industry, hard knocks. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade the times. That's I right. mean, if it wasn't for all those things, Brent, I don't think we'd be where we're at today. Exactly. We've, we've tried a lot of different things. <laughs> we've tried it. We did it. We, we still do it. We failed at some of them. Yeah. <laughs> we we got succeeded pretty, at some of them. And we got pretty innovative. We did. You know, we did some things that other people in the industry back in the day didn't think were possible. But uh, uh, it's one of those things that uh, the tenacity of just never give up. That's right. And it's been exciting to be in these positions, too, to see the advancement in, in the ag market uh, from what we came back in the 80s to what we're seeing today with both equipment, oh. uh, innovations on how we do things, uh, soil prep, doing all that kind of stuff. We've seen major changes. You know, GPS, all those things, you know, Brent. Uh, but I think the driving force of it really hasn't been individuals like us. It's been the growers that are demanding Yes. The innovation, the change, we just happen to be facilitators, I think, to help make it happen. And, you know, as you talk about our background and history of, of the different things we've been able to do and be involved in, it's just been, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, uh, yeah, you cut your teeth a few times, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's got us where we're at. They've kind of been stepping stones, really. They have, yep, exactly. And we've worked with some of the most spectacular growers. Uh, oh. To be able to go out and meet these guys and see what they're doing, innovating and making things work in a challenging environment. It, it is. And I, I really attribute the, you know, and then you talk about the growers, Brent, it's, they're just not growers. They're our friends. Um, there's mutual trust. You know, they come to us to help find solutions. We go to them with possible innovations and say, hey, Tell me if it flies or sinks. Exactly, and they'll tell you. And and, and it's and and you know that that friendship. I mean, uh, you know, I covered a territory from in the, the Intermountain West, which is from Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. So it's <laughs> from the south border to the north. That whole structure and the diversity of crops, from vegetables mm-hmm. down south to. Uh, Dry land grain up north to our, our specialty crops here with the potatoes, sugar beets, uh, corn. Um, obviously, alfalfa is a staple and things, but uh, onions. It And it's just an amazing thing to uh, have that diversity because you get to see what works in some areas, but it's not going to work in another area. Exactly. It's different. Some of those challenges are definitely different, and you have to tie that equipment to those challenges. You know, and, and we, you know, you know. First of all, thanks for letting us come and talk about equipment and, and being here. Uh, Lemkin's really a, a really neat company, Brent. It's uh, uh, much like Sputnik. It's a it's still family owned. It is. And what year did Lemkin start? Uh, you know, seventeen eighty. And what's neat for us? <laughs> That's 
2030 is going to be, what, 250 years. Mm-hmm. And we've got some big aspirations. We've got some big goals, but we've got some big things happening from now till then and obviously beyond. But uh, the Lemkin family has been uh, tremendous to work with. Um, our CEO, Anthony Vanderlei, has been an, an awesome hands-on guy, um, wanting to see the success. And it's not the success of just Lemkin, but the success of the growers. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at our engineering team, uh, a lot of those guys are also involved in production ag in some respects. Um, yes, we're a company out of Germany, uh, Northwestern Park. It's about two hours from Amsterdam in a, a town called Alpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful uh, place up in the Rhineland area of, of Germany. Um, but our people there, uh, you know, it's it's amazing that uh, you see the innovation that comes out of Europe, so to speak, more so than the U.S., because... I think the big manufacturers, they're just focused on the big crops, corn and soybeans, which that's their bread and butter. It is. It is. And they've produced a lot of equipment to, to hit that market. And, and, and it works for them. But I think at the other side of things is um, a lot of the specialty crops and other things, we're looking for more innovative ways. Um, years ago, when I worked for John Deere uh, Corporate, uh, back about 2003 or four, somewhere in that range, uh, it was late summer. Uh, and uh, met with one of the large farms with their general manager who had just got back from uh, uh, back there in uh, Illinois at some focus group meetings. Mm-hmm. And I said to Don, I said, so what was the most interesting thing of your meetings? And he says, well, it wasn't the meetings. I says, well, fill me in. He says, I got to the airport waiting there, you know, for my flight. And uh, he says, in walks Bob Lane, who's the CEO at the time at John Deere, with his family going on vacation. And Bob, you know, after he got checked in, came over and says, hey, Don, how was the meetings? And Don said, you know, they were good. And, and, and Bob asked him one question. He says, so what's the future? What's next? And, and Don so told him here, he says, you know, you got great things that have happened in the innovation of GPS, um, the combines, how they harvest the planters, how they plant, you know, all those things. But he, and, and Don just told him, he says, uh, Bob, I think the future really is tillage. And, and Don said to Bobby, we're doing the same thing that basically our great grandfathers did with a horse and, you know, pulling something, same concepts. And it was interesting having that conversation with Don. And I just kind of put that back in the old data bank and off goes life. Right. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2013, I'm working in a dealership, and there's this blue equipment that when I start, and uh, Cord Diekman, yep. who came over here. Uh, uh, it was about 2010. 2000, okay, so 2009, 2010, it we would started. Be 2012. 12, because I remember we rented a tractor to him. Yes. And we're looking at this stuff going, what are you thinking? <laughs> so, so, yeah, Cord came over here in about 2012. I think it's 2011, you know, you guys have taken a group of growers over to mm-hmm. Agritechnica, which is the world's largest ag show in Germany on the odd years. Yep. And the growers saw a lot of this stuff saying, hey, well, how do we get some of that stuff here? Mm-hmm. And I think part of the, the tie of why Lempkin came and spent some time with you guys is, you know. The good our, friends with the Grimmy family. Not only good friends, but, you know, mm-hmm. our companies and some other companies there have a technology company that we're kind of tied with that brings like our CCI 1200 monitors and stuff like that. Yep. And so, uh, hey, Cord came over, 
you he, guys, he worked like oh. that for, <laughs> and and in many aspects, thought he was failing in a lot of different areas as we kept looking at the what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, it was so new to everybody. It took that time to kind of get it out, demo it, play with it. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, he, uh, to, to Court's credit, I don't think you could have found a better guy. No, he was uh, he was determined, energetic, mm-hmm. young. And uh, he didn't take no for an answer. Oh, typically, 100%. You'll never take no for an answer. <laughs> Which, that's the kind of guy you got to have. Oh, yes. And, you know, your guys' support to help Cord and us at that time frame and get introduced to growers and, hey, come look at this. And, uh, you know, the first unit actually got sold in the U.S. in uh, 2012, um, actually to Rich Lane Farms. Mm-hmm. They're the very first Lemkin mm-hmm. customer in the U.S. And still to this day, even more Lemkin equipment, which, you know, uh, Pat's taken over from Bob mm-hmm. and, and yep. does a phenomenal job there. So, But it, in that whole scenario of things is, uh, you know, 2013, when I came on board, uh, it was in September, and I saw this, what they call the Reuben 12 disc, go out to the field. And, you know, Cord, he had the Reuben 9 disc, which yes, is that smaller the Reuben, disc. Yep, it was a smaller one. And, and anyways, <laughs> uh, I go out and I see this thing running through the field, and I just go, whoa. And all of a sudden, that thought from Don and that conversation from Don came clear back from that gray matter, going, wow, that is the future. Look at, I mean, yes. who would have thought you had this in a row, not... An individual. Yeah, individual on their own. Being able to float. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you got a dual-angle disc design, so it gets a flat tillage for it, cuts and throws the soil, and it's a big 29-inch blade disc, and... The reason why that Rupin 12 really came out was because of the demand for the North American market because of the larger residues. Yep. Um, to get that buried and get it mixed in. And, yeah. and in the potato ground especially, you know, you got – with all your wider harvesting equipment you guys have now, uh, you got a lot wider area of, of area that's not really disturbed. Mm-hmm. So it's really soft and fluffy, but it's so tall. And then you've got where the truck tracks are or the tractor tracks. So you got a good 12-inch or more variation – and and a smaller blade disc couldn't handle that volume, but that big Reuben twelve could just eat it up and gone. Yes. So it's it was really interesting to see how fast Lemkin responded to things, and and how innovative that Reuben twelve disc is. Um, and it, that was the big hitter. I mean, that's the one, and that it still took is. Off. Oh, and it is. You and, see it all over now. And, and and you know, even to that point, you know, our widest machine because of the European standards for width and height for transports. Um, we've come out now with our Reuben 12, uh, 800 and 950, which are 26 and 31 foot wide, but they're a wide middle section, 15 or so feet wide transport width. So mm-hmm. we lose that 10 foot transport, right. but we get the wider working widths in the field now. Exactly. So it's, uh, and the, and the other thing that was very interesting to me, speed, that speed was oh. key to making that work, <laughs> uh, which in the tillage world, we've always thought three to five mile an hour. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, the faster we can get, the better the tillage works to a point. Yeah, you know. With Limkin, with the, that Reuben 12, you can get some speed and still have a nice, smooth working. That's that's the magic that make, gets it done, right? I mean, you and I both grew up on a farm. Uh, our dads put us on a tractor when we were very young and get on a disc. Mm-hmm. And you and, just kind of roll it. <laughs> and it, it was steady as she goes, four and a half or so miles an hour, and the old tractor's blowing the old coal, which is nice. You don't see that anymore, unfortunately. Kind of missed that part of the days. We're trying to keep things clean. Yeah, true. <laughs> we do our part. 
But, uh, you know, those memories, yeah, I mean, there was times that, hey, if I could shallow the disc up and just hurry up a little more, I can get the field done. But, boy, the field looked rough. Well, and the way those discs were designed, you didn't get the the smooth cut across there. And, you know, Dad would chew our butt if we didn't do it right. That's right. Well, because the crop. It showed up in the crop. Goes back to what you just said. Tillage is key to making the planters work. Well, it is, you know, um, it's a foundation, right? And really, that foundation doesn't start the day you put the crop in. It starts way in advance. Okay. You know, once that crop has been harvested is when you start the foundation for that next crop. And um, the innovative tools from Lemkin is, uh, you know, and, and it's not that typical American design or North American style where you take big square tubing, weld it together, and then you bolt on or U-bolts and strap things on and just go. Um, Lemkin, you know... Been back there many times. We visited some farms. I've seen Lemkin equipment. I look at the serial number plate. I get back to the hotel that night. I'll type in the serial number to see how old is that machine. Mm -hmm. Wow, that thing's 20-plus years old, and it's still running on this farm. Um, Here, I think, North America-wise, we built things the last five to seven years, so to speak, and then we end up with a lot of repairs and stuff, and it just becomes more of a hassle. And when you hook up to something, you just want to go. Yes. Well, and tillage is one of those that seems to be, you're putting it in the ground. You're putting it's it through a, some pretty tough environment. Most abusive. Um, you're going to have some repairs. That's uh, Without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> we, we, we kind of joke. I think we've always joked through the years. That it doesn't matter what color it is. You're going to have repairs. And it's just one of those things, If you, the maintenance is key on any of this to make it work right. It is. Um, you know, so with that innovative design, actually the steel we use is a higher tensile steel. So it's a lot stronger and more dense. But we also have done things to like the Ruben 12 and our Karat chisel plows where the brackets are welded on to the frame so it's a fixed mounting. Mm-hmm. And then that spring safety overload of that arm for really the shank for the disc blade or that point goes in the ground, when those things hit an obstacle or something and come up and trip, that energy and force is actually transferred to that working tool, that point or that blade in the ground. So you don't have the frame fatigue. I can recall uh, one of the stores, uh, you know, we got a great dealer network that supports the product, and they make it happen. We couldn't do it without them. But, uh, you know, when the Karats first came here too, you know, and that was a – Lava rocks, right? Mm-hmm. Rock piles. It's the reality of life. And guys looked at that machine and says, that's never going to hold up. And surprisingly enough. It's done really well. It's just rock solid. And some of the biggest things I think as we look for, you know, preparing for seed bed and planting. Um, it's, uh, and I, I've, I've had, you know, some of the things I've learned is conversations with farmers. Mm-hmm custom mark out guys that bed and things is that they can tell a field that's been worked by a Lemkin chisel plow, the carats, mm-hmm. because you have a flat tillage floor. You don't have a ridge or a berm between shanks because the spacing is so wide. And, and the reason why is Lemkin's really big on a couple of things on the agronomic side. So all the machines, they ride on a roller that's integrated in the machine. So your axles are never on the ground. So we want to reconsolidate that soil. Um, and, and that's going to seal in the moisture we got, which is critical. It is critical because if you, know, you dry things out when you come in to plant, you've lost that moisture, which is 
seed to soil contact. And and the value of all that free moisture from Mother Nature is Some, huge. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get that though. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you don't. You know, a couple of years ago we had a really tough year trying to get like sugar bees to come up. And uh some of the growers that had carats, they had those big, heavy, the PPW roller, we call it. Mm-hmm. They put that on, and, and a couple of things happened for them. They said, one, Richard, is is that leaves the field really firm for our planter to put a nice seed placement. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's a little chunky on the top, so it doesn't blow. Mm-hmm. And when they went in about that eight inches deep, they brought up that moisture, got the germination they needed, but they didn't have the blowing effect. To dry because they didn't pulverize the soil like with a roller harrow, which that's just always been the tool we've gone to. But agronomically, it may not be the best tool. Right. But that was what we needed that base to get that plant. Exactly. So it planted right. And what I, you know, what I've seen with Lemkin is, is you don't have to live with what you get anymore. You know, sometimes the tillies, we've just, oh, well, that's well, as yeah, good as it's going to get. I guess that's what we're going to live with. Yeah. Here Depending upon the conditions when you pull in the field. Yeah. Yep. Here now, you can put a, one of these in the t- field, and you're going to get what you really want. And you there, can make the quick adjustment. I was going to say, they, the adjustments on them are quick. Um, I guess going to one part, as, yep. you, as you kind of started talking a little bit about that, um, we talk about working the soil right. What are you seeing as far as uh, soil tilt? And Because I, I know I've had a lot of comments about that. <laughs> uh, maybe that's something that to kind of visit a little bit about. You know, it's... We got a great network of not just growers, but there's field band uh, with fertilizer companies, consultants that are independent. Um, you know, you've had Gary Farmer on some of these podcasts, and he's been he's one of the best agronomists you know around. Um, you've had uh, Ray and Kobe Hollist, mm-hmm. some great guys as well. Uh, they're all good friends. I mean, I went to college with Ray, you know, back in Utah State. <laughs> yep, yep. So there, there's still those ties and ag, you know, that go with those relationships. And uh, you know, uh, like with Pat and Bob Olson, uh, Gary Farmer went to him a few years ago and says, look at your soil tests here. And as they were looking at him, Gary pointed out some things. He says, historically, you know, we haven't seen a change in organic matter levels. And we have, the West struggles with organic matter, or at least we do here in Southeast Idaho. I know you get in some of these other areas, it is better. But when you put potatoes in. Or sugar beets. Or sugar beets, organic matter goes down. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a depleting crop, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really it doesn't bank anything back for you. And you remember when we were back in the uh, precision ag days when we were doing those soil samples? Yep. When we did yield monitoring? Yep. What did we see with organic matter? When you had higher organic matter, you had better yields. We did, and it it translated to that more on a yield map than what the NPK and all your soil amendments. Yeah, do. they have a definite impact, but mm-hmm. that organic matter has a big change. You. And so it was interesting, you know, Pat and Gary brought that up to me. He says, hey, look at Richard. Since, and, and the reason why is that Lemkin tillage equipment, not just with the speed, but with that dual angle disc design mm-hmm. or with the design of our carotid chisel points, how they go in the ground and how they boil that soil. But whatever depth you're working, you're going to incorporate that residue to that depth. So... Granted, you know, the ultimate seedbed, if you want pristine, mm-hmm. is moldboard plowing. Okay. Yeah. You're going to take that residue, flip but, it under. But you turn it all under and it puts it way down. Yes. <laughs> you can see, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you can see the effects of 
that layering of residue when you dig down with a shovel or something. Or I've gone in with a, you know, granted, Lampkin makes plows. Mm -hmm. That's what we started with back in 1780, plows. Um, well, the Moldboard plow, and you go back, John Deere, Lemkin, all of them, that was the big deal. It had to turn that soil to get it. But I think back then when you was pulling with a horse, you probably didn't get more than about six inches. You probably didn't. <laughs> and probably now, lucky. Now we started to get down to 9, 10, 12 inches. You're turning that stuff underneath quite a bit. You are. More so, and then you don't have the air to, to work on that. That organic matter to break it down, right? Um, Lemkin's plows are designed a little differently. So we actually, we actually take that, uh, first top layer that's right in front of the stock for the actual moldboard plow. There's a, a, a skimmer. And so it'll actually roll some of that organic matter over first. So it doesn't kind of layer it. Mm -hmm. It kind of helps distribute it more. Mix it in that top. But it's not visible on top. You won't see anything on top. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I've gone into a field with a customer that's bought a new Lemkin plow. You know, and they used to use other types of plows. Yep. We've gone right behind them. And when we gone in, you can see where that layer is still there. So, but the, 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 the wonderful thing, or I call it the axillary or agronomic benefits of mm -hmm. Lemkin is, is the soil tilt, the soil health, mm -hmm. um, that residue management. So you get, see that difference in organic matter levels. We've also seen uh, that more moisture retention after tillage because you don't dry it out and blow it out because it's mixed in there well and it's firmed up with those rollers on the back mm -hmm. so when you look at uh, our rollers anywhere from 500 pounds a meter to a thousand pounds a meter and then you the actual weight of that machine transfer to that roller because that's your depth control you get a very firm seed bed which makes a difference mm -hmm. um and 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 that's critical because if you don't have that uniformity um you're going to have a tough crop um and I think one of the most visible things you can see after tillage and, and, and seeing how good your tillage is, is especially with the spring or fall planting of wheat and barley. Um, and I bring that up is that if you, after that comes up about two inches or so, and you can kind of see that nice, pristine crop coming up. But if you drive or get at... You can see it better when you drive because the the the, uh, the the contrast and the differences you see. But if you watch how the field was worked versus how it was planted, you can always you can see the patterns from the tillage. Yeah. Uh, and 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 granted, that impacts the germination, the emergence of the crop. And uh, I had a grower call me once and says, "Hey, I got to get a Reuben." I says, "Why?" And he says, "I'm tired of my fields." looking like an ocean. I says, what do you mean? He says, they're just wavy. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that fall, some of his fields, he worked three times to level them up. Because but what, of they, the previous tillage. Over the years. He got the wave to it. Mm -hmm. And when he came in and planted, and then, you know, two weeks later, that stuff emerges and you look and it's like, wow, that, that, that to me, that farm, those fields was the best uh, validation of good seedbed prep. Yep. And, and, you know, talking to him and his brothers, uh, they said, Richard, it's the best wheat crop we've ever had. And the combines weren't bouncing <laughs> through the field, you know, and the sprayer wasn't bouncing through the field. Yep. It, it, even application, even distribution. Yeah. So it, it's been a huge game changer for guys. And, uh, and that's good. That's, that's what we need to see. It is.
Yes, it's definitely. Uh, th- and that's I've heard some comments too. Also, we, you talk about the grain crops that you're seeing there. Yep. But also on these potato crops with some of the working of the ground, uh, with the crot and some of that, we're seeing less tear in the cellars coming in. You know, that's it's interesting. I, You've heard those things. I have. I, 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 I've, you know, I've had growers tell me the same thing that uh, – and I'll go all the way back to, to that time when they've got to mark out, whether they're doing it or a custom guy. And uh, the custom guys are the ones that really ver- very verbally expressed, hey, we've noticed a difference. So, you know, when, when the guys pull that crop off of wheat or barley, however they manage the residue, mm-hmm. and they come in and got to do the deep tillage in front of those marker bars, right? Yep. And they're usually going at a different angle because then they're going to come with the marker bar straight through. Yes. And... uh the guys that have the farms that have prepped with the carats, that marker bar is just floating. And it's interesting, too. The guy says, we get about an extra mile, half a mile more faster because to the field. <clears throat> more but, consistent. Yeah, and, and, and also it's less fuel consumption. So mm-hmm. everybody wins. Yeah. But when, uh, you know, you don't use that carat, the guys have said those bars will sit there and chatter because they're hitting that ridge between the shanks of the other machines. Yeah. And what's interesting, Brent, we uh, we actually did a deal with a comparison between us and some other tillage, mm-hmm. for the deep tillage. It's normal in the market. I've got some photographs, and it's just a really uh, uh, visible, noticeable differences in the carat. It's so the uniform size of the soil particles are more consistent. The residues mix the profile. Mm-hmm. Those other ones, uh, the other tools, they've got larger size Chunks of soil, which are really the clods. The clods and, and they just don't break down. Sometimes, yeah, some of it doesn't break down when you go to harvest. So it, you know, and it's interesting. You know, yeah, the guys will come through and harvest and say, "Hey, man, uh, I've had guys from Burley around here, Montana, say my tear dirt's thirty to fifty percent less, which is huge." And, you know, why, why harvest a truckload of tear and mm-hmm. then got to dispose of it and take it plus back the out. bruise impact it has? Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, you got it's just an expense. You know, it's just like having a hole in your wallet. Just, oh, yeah. Just let you, it go. You're harvesting more crop. More, well, less crop in yeah. the truck every time it goes in if you've got more tears. Yep. So. And what's interesting, too, is, uh, you know, we work with the seed growers up in Montana and some here. Uh, they've gone another step further in their seed bed prep after that, Brent. They've uh, purchased the Zircon Power Harrows that Lemkin makes. Mm hmm. And, you know, it's it's a vertical tine that rotates. Their ter- tear dirt's gone down to almost nothing. Because it, it actually works at top six to eight inches. That seed bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it incorporates things really nice for them. And some other things is, they says, Richard, we get a better crop, more uniformity, less rough stuff. So, you know, not trying to give away any secrets of what guys are doing. <laughs> right. But the unique thing is, is, is Lemkin brings uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. From a moldboard plow, deep tillage, medium tillage, seed bed prep. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's it's been amazing to see uh, those agronomic or axillary benefits that, that come from guys. And that's what I think that I've probably seen the biggest change in tillage over the years is going to more of the high speed. Yep. Uh, it's been interesting as I've gone around – the last couple of years, I've kind of watched some of the tillage practices, you know, as you go into each area. And uh, a lot of times everybody wants to go wider. And wider is great because you cover more 
ground, but not necessarily. Uh, you've got to hit a certain speed to make make soil work. You and do. It, and I've watched that quite frequent. Uh, you put a chisel plow, take a chisel plow with uh, big sweeps. You're getting across. It's a yep. level cut. Yeah. But if I can't get a little speed out of that, it's not mixing that soil and actually churning it. Uh, I think that's the one thing that we see with the lemkin that has kind of been introduced is we've kind of got past that barrier of trying to go at a three to four mile an hour. We're up around that six, seven. Yeah. And we're, we're really working that ground to get all that matter incorporated. Yeah, yeah. That's the hardest thing for a new grower to understand. Uh not just the speed aspect, but that working width is, yeah, hey, I need a 24-foot disc. Well, <laughs> your tractor is capable of pulling this tool, which is basically 17 feet. But let me tell you, you you're going to go 8, 10 miles an hour, and your productivity is going to actually be more here. Less fuel consumption, less time and hours on the tractor, less time for the operator. And, and you know, what's been interesting, that has also been a catch-22 down in Southern California, where I work with some of the vegetable growers, you know, they, they have to pay overtime. So it's eight hours. And they're done. You check out, and they're gone home. You know, here, man, we just finished. We don't quit until we're finished. <laughs> we're just not that smart. <laughs> but uh, we don't have that much time. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. But no, for them, they said, Richard, what do I do with my guys? They're done in two-thirds of the time. I, I don't have anywhere else for them to go yet today. So it's it's an interesting contrast to that scenario. So it is somewhat disruptive um, because, yeah, you don't have the wide working widths, but mm-hmm. you're getting the productivity you need. Because of the speed. And it's interesting as these tractors pull, you, you notice it. We've been around that, that side of it quite a bit. When you start to add more than about five mile an hour to a tractor speed, it takes some horsepower. It does. To get you up to that speed to continue to work. I, I think that's been one of the biggest keys of seeing the high-speed tillage tools really work effectively is just not because of the speed, but you got the horsepower to match it. What uh, on on that when you're looking at the Reuben Twelve or the the uh, the Karats, what kind of speed are you guys recommending? Slowest to, to fastest? You know, the, the, you know, and that's that's a very valid question because it 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 varies and it's all determined on a couple things. One is what your field conditions are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a really rough field, yeah, and you don't want kidney <laughs> failure in that seat, right? <laughs> you might be only be able to get eight miles an hour with the Reuben the first time, mm-hmm. but if you can get that eight to ten, that's really ideal. That's kind of where you're. You're that's shooting. a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Karats, I like to see anything above five. If you can get to six, that's even better. Uh, because it does have that impact of that boiling effect. Yep. And, uh, and you know, some people, uh, a grower this spring, had a conversation with him while he was out seeding. He says, Richard, my fields are becoming mellow. And it's like he's a grain producer, potato, sugar beet. Mm-hmm. So how do you get ground becoming more mellow? It's, it's because you're managing that residue better, and you're allowing the soil to break down that material, which increases our soil tilt and our soil health. On that. Well, and, and the other thing, I know years past, uh, there's been quite a bit of research done. If you can keep your speed 5 plus, your compaction level goes down. You know, it. yes, because 
when you have slower speed and you've got all that traction going on, uh, you know, you've got a, you're transferring energy mm -hmm. and that energy has to go somewhere. So that's what creates that compaction. Uh, Which the, is interesting sometimes when you talk about when you drive by the crop and it's been planted one direction, but you see the other direction in the tillage. It's still evident. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's the hardest thing to get guys to realize. And, and I, I'm not going to tell you how to farm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you talk exactly. about the speed Everybody thing. Everybody is. You know, it's what the field conditions. conditions are. Yep. And uh, compaction. You know, guys say, well, I've got to go 18 inches deep. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question. Why? Well, I got to break up my hard pan. Okay, so where's your hard pan? Oh, it's down there. <laughs> you know, okay, so how far is down there? Mm -hmm. uh, and in my truck, and I recommend most of most of the salesmen that the dealers have, they've got one of those Dickie John soil penetrometer probes. Yep. And it's got a gauge. So it gives you a known factor. Mm -hmm. And typically speaking, everywhere I've been in my whole region, that compaction layer is between 9 and 12 inches. Kind of where we're working most of the time. So, yeah, depending upon things. And so it's like, okay, so do you really need to go 18 inches deep? All you got to do is get below that mm -hmm. compaction layer Open to break up. it up. Yep. And once you've done that, then you now you have free flow of your uninhibited root penetration. They can go seek out the moisture, seek out the nutrients, unencumbered, and, and you win. And so now I'm not going to disagree that maybe sometimes we need to go deep, maybe every three to five years, depending mm -hmm. on things, if that's what's needed. And depending upon the ground. And exactly. the crop. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and I've noticed that, you know, in, in different areas as I've cro uh, crossed the U.S. from the east to the west. Yep. I mean, there are, certain, there are certain areas that you don't go that deep because if you do, you cause more grief. than you create more problems. Mm -hmm. So you got to, like you say, it's it's per area to kind of look at at your farm, and per field. I mean, it does change by field. You can go two miles down the road, and that field is different on how you're going to till it. Yeah, well, and some guys will ask me, Richard, do I use a Reuben or do I use a Karat? Well, do you want deep tillage or shallow tillage? Mm -hmm. Now, granted, the, the Karat, what's neat about it, you know, it is that deep tillage tool, but with that quick change system on the points. We can put the wide points of the wings. We can go in shallow as a field cultivator. So it becomes a dual-season tool. Mm -hmm. You're not limited to that as just a deep tillage tool only. Yes. And we've actually come out with a whole new sweep that is just a really short, uh, a wide field cultivator sweep. So now a guy can actually put those on, and now you've got a third element that you can really utilize that carat in other circumstances. And, uh, you know, this year what's really neat, Brand, is we've we've introduced this spring our new uh, Solitaire DT drill. Mm -hmm. That's replacing the compact Solitaire. Uh, we're introducing our new Karat 10, which is uh, a, a huge improvement over the Karat 9s, but it's also not only a whole new frame and, and, you know, from the hitch all the way back, but also it's got discs on the front now. So you've got cutting blades on the front to handle the to residue. handle some of the residue, yep. And move that material through. So, and we've also got our new Coralin. It's like a mulch finisher. It's a really impressive tool that uh, it, it's been designed for the European market mostly because some of those countries can't use herbicides anymore. Right. So it's mechanical tillage. So this Coralin is designed to go from anywhere from an inch all the way to four inches deep. And it's got two rows of discs plus three rows of sweeps, which 
works the ground really oh, well. Unbelievable. And like you say, it's, you're just working that top part. Yeah, and, and and the other thing is with the Lemkin tools, because of the aggressive dual angle design on the disc plates or how deep that carat can go, I have to tell guys your first pass, if you're going to do multiple passes, your first one's always the deepest. Get down, take that out, and then after that, you're just seed bed. Buzz across there. that up. And if you can hit another gear or so, grab it and go. Mm-hmm. It's going to do a beautiful job. Well, and I think that's one thing you, you brought up, the, the drill. Uh, that was one of the things that I saw change. I, in how many years have we seen grain drills, and they haven't done a lot of change? Yeah. I, I think that whatever you guys have kind of pushed a little bit on this drill, you've actually seen some of these other drill manufacturers start to look at it a little different. It's... I, you know, small grains, some guys have always said it's just a rotation crop. It is, but we got to make money at it. It's got to be a profitable rotation Otherwise, crop. Otherwise, why are we putting it in? Yeah, it's just not for the sake of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the You know, going from the box drill scenario, okay, which box drills, and, and I'll, I'll use a term that both Gary Farmer and the guys at University of Idaho use is it's a best a controlled spill. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, very simple. Granted, very mm-hmm. simple, but maybe not ideal for seed placement, etc. And uh, so when we brought over the, well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's really interesting. It's that uh, Lampkin took over a group of growers over to uh, 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 Agritechnica in 2013. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got to see all the different manufacturers and equipment. They go to our factory, see our stuff, do the factory tour. And one of the growers saw that compact solitaire drill and uh, said to Cord, hey, can I get one of these? Uh, well, we're not bringing those to the U.S. There's not a fit. And he goes, oh. Then he taps him on this and says, hey, Cord, well, how much are one of those? Well, they're about this much. Oh. About five seconds later... He taps on Cord's shoulder and says, here's a check. Send one. And he goes, oh, okay, we'll send one. Uh, so in the spring of 2014, that arrived. I got to see that machine work. I got to see the results. Uh, and, and we're going, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. And uh, so and Cord had some more coming over. And so when they arrived at the dealership, uh, I got with my buddy, Gary Farmer. He says, hey, Gary. We got to look at this. Come tell me, give me your thoughts. <laughs> yep. He's never seen one. I didn't say anything about it. He came over. Uh, some of the guys from Thresher came over. Uh, some of the guys, University of Idaho. And we walked around the machine, showed how everything worked. And I've never seen Gary get excited about small grains. But, oh, boy. <laughs> it's been kind of that statement that you said earlier. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, – and, and, and uh, you know – what. We had a customer uh, that owns one now, but when he first saw that, he says, I wish I had that 40 years ago. He saw the impact that could have, but nobody had ever made anything that way. And so that was a big game changer for the growers here. It was. Um, we learned a lot, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we learned some things right up that front of the gate. We worked, worked with a farm out just north of here, and it was a 200-acre field, and so the fall of uh, – 14, we, we, we did 120 foot wide strips all the way across this 200 acre field. Their 30 foot box drill and roller harrow would do one, the odd number ones. We'd come in with the solitaire and do the even numbered ones. Mm-hmm. 
Man, and, and one of the unique things is it's on a five-inch spacing. So actually you it's have – narrower. So you got more rows, you know, working with, but you have actually less seeds or plants competing against each other in the row. But it cannot be so much faster that you have less weed pressure. And so uh, that fall, I got pictures before I went over for uh, Agritechnica, you know, and looked at things there in 2015. And, man, it looked awesome. Springtime, you know, makes it through the winter, no winter kill. Late uh, spring, early summer, you know, starts to head out. You know, the, the heads on ours was about that tall, and the box drill was a little taller. But there was less plants there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as it ultimately counts, it's what's in the bin at harvest right. time. Right. Um, the farm has a scale on their farm, so they had two trucks. We used the same combine. We went right down the middle of the strip. We just dumped one bin load, went and waited. Did the other one, did it. And we replicated that several times. At the end of the day, the box drill beat us out by two bushel. But we get the colleagues from Thresher and come out and look and says, well, the seeding rate that we calibrated to was 140 pounds because that's what they've been using the box drill. Mm-hmm. So we kind of went back in time and we did plants down counts, et cetera, after the harvest to see the box drill at best had about an 80% stand. So you take 140 pounds, yeah. translates to about 112 pounds that came up. 10, 112, yep. We were over 90%. And so it was. And so the guy says, well, this crop doesn't do well at high plant populations. She'll actually wane. Start to come down. So, anyways, they says, well, okay, that's a game changer. We haven't had a drill give us that kind of a germination yeah. emergence. Yep. So the next year, that fall, well, that fall, we got with a grower that had one and says, hey, can we do some test plots? Let's reduce our seeding rate by 5%, 10%, and 15 mm-hmm. So we, they had a big field down the road here. We did that again. Hey. You that, saw the That the 10% uh, reduction in seeding rate actually gave us a better yield than the normal box drove rates. And so we were able to con- validate that. But, you know, you don't learn until you try. No. Exactly. And you don't you don't learn anything unless you've got some failures to say, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So the norm is if you've got a lemkin drill, the seed company is only going to give you the seed for <laughs> reduce it by ten percent because you don't need to plant the extra seed. Yeah, you're wasting you're wasting money yeah. going in the ground. Your plant population is there with the amount of seed that you're putting down. Yeah. So it's uh, so now our new DT is an improvement upon. That compact solitaire, which that compact solitaire is just a rock-solid drill. But it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It had a couple little, maybe not so much ideal things, but you don't know that till you learn. And so the new DT, uh, we've, we've got over a dozen of them in the field this spring. There'll be several more this fall. Uh, phenomenal. Seeing some good results. Well. So far. So, yeah, granted, we haven't got it in the bin yet, <laughs> but what's in the field is, is very noticeable. Um, and, and I think, and it's not just for us as Lemkin or me as the area sales manager, what the telltale sign is, is the growers speak with the checkbook. Mm-hmm. They do. And in that regards, they see the benefit of that DT drill and, and really the secret sauce. Okay. And then all the other drill manufacturers that kind of in that same space with a tillage tool, seeding tool all in one. They've all got good elements. Mm-hmm. 
Lepkin just goes a little further beyond. So the trapeze packer roller, that's a big V ring on a five inch spacing. It gives us a very firm seed trench for that double disc opener to go to come into. into yep. You know, we've got the hydraulic down pressure we can adjust on the opener. So if you have some challenging conditions with your seed depth of maybe a little higher residue, so you don't get the hair pinning or the balancing, H independent, one of those can hydraulically just stay in the ground. And one of the biggest things that really gives uh, Blemkin an edge too on that is we have our row units. They're mounted on the bar. So you have a front row unit and a back. Yep. So you can get that five inch space. Get that. Yes. And get through the trash. Yes. But the important thing is, is they're both on an independent parallel linkage, mm-hmm. uh, parallel linkage, but they're the same length. Because if you look at other drills where they've got that offset, or, yep. the one in the back has a longer arm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have as much down pressure right. as the front one because that leverage aspect. So I got to commend our engineers and our developers and product managers that helped come up with the new stuff in the R&D guys to keep the agronomic aspects and principles and things, mm-hmm. but yet still build a very functional and a very reliable machine. Well, when you're doing, uh, so how long on this drill change as far as your tests and engineering and all that, what kind of time frame have you been working with this? Because <laughs> we all know it, it takes, takes time. time. It yeah. takes time. And uh, is it developed in a, so does Limpkin have some farm that they are developing this or do they develop it with growers over there? You know, it, it's both. Lemkin does have our own research farm. Uh, with our facilities there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a lot of cooperative growers that help us with R&D projects. Uh, very fortunate here in the U.S. We have the same thing, uh, which is, uh, in fact, we've been working on some projects this spring and uh, uh, seen some promising results on some new things. Uh, the Karat 10 that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we Actually, to tell you the truth, Cord Diekman and I, in the fall of 2015, Cord had the factory get a big a big box full of parts. He air freighted them. Got them here in time. We had a local company manufacture some parts and stuff that we could mount onto an existing carat. Because we thought, him and I, that, hey, this is where it needs to go. Uh, so, yeah, we took pictures over showing the guys in Germany, Agrotechnica, hey, look, this is what we've been doing. Um, I come on board 2016 for Lemkin because mm-hmm. Cord goes back. Later that year, uh, I get a phone call from the factory saying, hey, what's this $8,000 freight bill for in 2015? <laughs> I said, you got to take that up with Cord. That's not me. He air freighted that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a part of the R&D aspect. Uh, 2018, they sent over. And it would have been cheap as compared to today. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's pennies. <laughs> So, yeah, in 2018, they sent over two prototypes called the Karat X, and, and we prototyped them here and validated, gave weekly reports. I mean, we went from Brent, we went in grain corn, we went in silage corn, potato ground, beet ground, wheat ground, uh, and, and we did different kind of blades on the front, half on this side, half on that side. We did a lot of testing, and, and granted, that's how the Karat 10 came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the new DT, how much time? It, it's been a few years. Uh, yeah, it sounds like 2016 you started. So it's been, yeah. uh, that's been yeah, it's seven years. But actually the DT is, uh, 
So this year is what we call Zero Series Introduction, 100 machines worldwide. To put a plug in for how good our growers are and our dealers, 35 out of 100 came to the U.S. Oh, it's exciting. It's, it's really neat. Uh, and granted, uh, some of my other colleagues probably aren't, aren't as happy because they didn't get a machine, but the order window was open, and uh, dealers put in orders, and Germany filled them. So that, that's how it works. The last two years, not this year, so 20, uh, what is this, 23, so 22, 21, a lot of R&D with the machines in the field. Prior to that, just some concept things, proof of concept. If we did this, what happens? And so, yeah. Uh, yes. Are, uh, with some of the supply chain issues, I mean, I know we've seen some issues that way. I, I suppose you have as well, um, getting parts and pieces and a few things that we need. I, I know our growers have felt some of the pain there too. Boy, we've all felt pain, you know, whether it's parts, whether it's whole good machines coming over in containers. I know during the pandemic, both of us had containers sitting on ships waiting to be unloaded that sat there for, for months. Yes. Uh, in fact, we kind of missed the spring season on some of those. Uh, us as a company, first of all, thanks to our people there and the dedication, they never shut down mm-hmm. through the pandemic. Um, yeah, you had daily tests, and if you were sick, you stayed home. Yeah. Yep. But we could maintain production. Um, parts has been a challenge. Um, one thing we did change though, is instead of using the ports on the West coast, we went to Houston now. Bringing them in that way. Uh, we don't have to go through the canal, the Panama canal. So it saves some time, but the reliability of the people down in Houston and that port has been top notch. In in fact, if you looked over the weekend, the guys over there in Long Beach, says, uh, work shortage. So you're going to have to wait. Um, down there, you're not seeing that. We, well, that's what we even saw going up into Canada, bringing some stuff through Canada that way. On the West Coast, we did better. Yes. <clears throat> so it's uh, parts-wise, though, uh, we have our own parts distribution warehouse there in Des Moines. I've tried to help our de- and and our dealers understand a, a concept and that we really don't have a parts warehouse in Des Moines. It's a fulfillment center. The parts warehouse is actually the dealer's at their own individual store locations, they're the parts warehouse. And they've really done a good job of stepping up. Uh, the growers, for the most part, can get about any part they need. You know, that's a wear item or something. Uh, something kind of out of the norm if they tore off a tongue or something might come from there or it might come from Germany. But Depending upon what it is. Yeah, but for the most part, no, we, we've got a great supply there. Our dealers have done a good job of stocking up. Um, we got stocking order programs, so it helps them. Helps the growers. They go to the growers says, hey, what do you need? I'll bring it in. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got, yeah, the dealers really look after the growers that way. That's nice. Well, we've kind of gone over several aspects of the Lemkin. Yeah. Of what where you're at today. What we've kind of seen as far as the soil, uh, what we're seeing there with the, the importance of the tillage and also the concept of the drill. What do you see future-wise? With I, you, you made that comment when you talked with <laughs> with Deer on that side yeah. of saying future is tillage. What what do you foresee coming in the future with uh, some of the? Obviously, we've got some challenges with the chemical. We've got challenges uh, with green footprint, basically carbon yeah, footprint. Carbon, yep. 
Um, so there's many aspects that we're probably going to be dealing with in years to come that we've got to kind of be ahead of the game. Yeah. Because it seems like if the growers are ahead of the game and we're ahead of the game on that. It's a smooth transition. Yes. They're not They're not dictating what we need to do. You know, good point there, Brent. First of all, let's touch the green thing and the carbon. You know, anytime you till, you're going to lose carbon, right? Mm-hmm. With the lemkin tillage, the growers, they're the ones that says, hey, Richard, I've eliminated two to three passes. Now, are there areas that do some other types of tillage? Some of them say, you save me four or five passes. So I think in that element, that range, we're, we're pretty green in that regard. And, and in our crop rotations, you can't do a no-till spud crop. It, it, yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. We do have a couple of spots that can in sandy ground. Yeah, perfect point. But we can't in, I would say, 80%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just throwing a number. But. So I see the biggest challenges, and, and it is true in all our sectors, is labor. I mean, you guys need guys to help build stuff. Yep. The growers need guys to help get Run a crop stuff. in the ground and harvest stuff. Yep. Um, labor is is a challenge. I think, uh, you know, this AI thing, I don't have a grasp on it. But, boy, I've, I've seen some big things. and It's coming, though, isn't it? Uh, and it's probably like a tsunami almost. I don't think any of us are ready. Some of us are going to get caught up in it and meet our demise. Others are going to survive. Um one of the neat things is I, I'd like to say that is our, our foresight that Lemkin has with our engineering team and our leadership team, realizing, hey, yes, we need to look out five or ten years. Last year, uh, and you can go online to YouTube, you'll see a, a, a link called uh, uh, Combined Powers. Mm-hmm. And what that is, uh, and, and we actually showed it at the SEMA show in France this last November, is a it's a power unit, a tractor, autonomous, autonomous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a joint project. Combined powers is between Crone and Lemkin. Now, is Lemkin getting the tractor business? No. Okay, <laughs> but, but they tie into the tractor. But you have to. So, what's interesting is 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 yes, we have a great R and D team that have 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 put the elements together of this autonomous tractor. But the tractor, I mean, when you don't have an operator. And you're pulling something behind you. You and I are, you know, yeah, I see what's going on. <laughs> oh, got a, I hit a rock. I just sheared a bolt. Got a problem. You know, or, hey, I just uh, plugged that thing up. I got to go unplug it. That tractor has to intelligently figure that out. Now, how the guys do it, I don't know. It's beyond my <laughs> level of knowledge. Uh, I keep my feet in the dirt. I'll be happy. <laughs> they're working on it. Yeah. So what's neat is, is they've got, you know, I've, I've They've got like a carat behind the machine. It's got more sensors on it and technology than probably was all the combined computing power to send a rocket or a first Space. guy to the man <laughs> to the moon. Yep. Um, but it's it's in it's got the ability to tell the tractor what that tool's doing, so that so, it can adjust and react. And and so is what you're thinking. Just because of labor and some of the things that we're seeing, you think that we're headed down that way. Maybe not fast, but it's it's I, coming. You know, because it's interesting. Was it ten years ago when autonomous kind of first started? We kind of saw it kind of creep in. Yeah, but it wasn't then here a few years ago, we saw it again. It kind of creep, yep. come in again. 
obviously we had another announcement. It was a year, year and a half ago that another one, yep. another manufacturer came in with some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's coming, but I think it's just adopting. You know, it's uh, – there's a couple elements of play, I think. One is the economy is a scale. You know, the larger size operations will probably adopt the autonomy thing faster, in my view. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be certain ones that, that do. And I think the other thing it lends to itself is uh, uh, it's it's the how. Mm-hmm. How am I going to implement this? It's not the why. The, the why, I think, becomes very relevant, uh, relevant real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know... Look at our vehicles on the road, right? We've got cars that can drive themselves. Oh, I know. <laughs> it, just, uh, it goes back to that feet in the dirt, though. Uh, do I want that thing coming down the field without anybody in it? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the biggest struggle, you know, is is the labor needed for harvest. Yes. Whether that's hand crews for your vegetable crops, yep. whether that's, you know, truck drivers for spud equipment, sugar beet harvest, et cetera. I, I see like your guys' crop cart has been a game changer. Yes. You know, that you don't have to have as many trucks in the field, really. And you can eliminate some compaction because of that. So you're doing a lot of good things. Well, we're working down that line of trying to keep the machine moving rather than stopping and starting. Yeah. Anytime you stop and start, you have a tendency to pack more. You have a tendency to have more issues. You wear things out faster. Because of start and stop. and then, Yeah. It's just a, So, yeah, it's a... And I, and maybe, and that's a topic of another day, but this autonomous thing, I'm not so sure that we actually scale down size of equipment because it runs continuous rather than scaling up in size. You know, you look at some of the white papers that have been written, they talk about swarms of dro- uh, drones. Mm-hmm. So maybe smaller horsepower, smaller machines, but they run 24-7. That's right. Now, I, I look at this aspect, you know, for this younger generation that's so computer adept things. I think there's a great future and opportunity. Uh, you know, if if you love to sit there and all day long or play games or, you know, put the goggles on, you know, Apple just introduced something. I think that was like 3,500 bucks for the eight. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, I can't afford it. Pretty neat stuff. But I think at the same time, uh, the future f- uh, for agriculture is the foundations are always going to be there. The agronomists. Yes. The seed guys. The equipment guys, okay? The service guys. But the technology, I mean, you look at today, and I think if you talk to farmers, you know, back when we grew up, the tractors we drove, hey, it was push the levers and very reliable. And now today there's so much computer power uh, and, and electronics that actually I think you talk to the growers, most of the downtime isn't related to the the horsepower side of things or the hydraulics. It's more of the technology. It's the side. technology side. So, but you know, and it's interesting. Sometimes we always get caught up. I'd like to go back to the old, old tractor. You know, the older ones that just mechanical. They ran yeah. for eight thousand hours. I'm thinking that eight thousand hours probably translates into this new tractor of about eight hundred. You know, because these tractors. I mean, the technology and the equipment that we have today. It's no different. I'm watching what we with, with the potato equipment with all this different. We are able to hit the field and do more in a day than what oh. we used to do in a week. Yeah. And timing with these crops and with what's going on to get the 
the ability to continue to have the yields we need with tillage, with planting, with with uh, management through the summer on the crop to finalizing at the end. Everything is so critical that we do it right. Yeah, you don't have time to mess up. Um, and we're doing it in a bigger fashion. Well, and you look and at so, this spring, how condensed it was because oh, we, yes. well, okay, back in the 80s, this was a normal spring. Yes, but it took us a long time to do <laughs> just a little. <laughs> it did. We, we couldn't cover the ground that we're no. covering today. So I think guys really made up some good time this spring. Yes. Um, well, we put the crop in in a hurry. Yep. So it's, uh, but it just, to that point is what you're making right there. It substantiates that 100%. Oh. You've got to hit the timing. So, I mean, it, it's all in that, and it's key to making it work. Yep. Because Mother Nature can turn and change things. She's the great equalizer. But you have to do everything as much as you can right. And, yep. And tillage and all that is one of them, planting, all that. It's key. You know, and, and you know, it's, I think, because things that under that pressure, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, and, and, you know, hey, everybody expects everything to be at 100% all the time, which is just an unrealistic thing, but we shoot for it. Oh, you bet. We try for uh, perfection. We if do. we're not trying for perfection, we're not. <laughs> yeah. We, we, and, but I, I'm, I'm grateful for the growers to, to also see, you know, because sometimes when you bring something new, there is going to be there's a little hit. There's a learning curve, yes. And, and, it's, it's, and sometimes us as a manufacturer, hey, I'm only probably a day or two ahead of that guy in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, I'm learning just as fast as he is. Yes. I will say that. That's one thing that's neat, like with the new DT drill, the support from the factory. Um, this a- April, they sent over, what, three guys from the factory. We did a training. We had like 48 of our dealers for two days. They came in. In training. And to learn this hands-on. Granted, we couldn't go to the field. Normally, we would have been able to. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Snow- we, it snowed on us. <laughs> yeah. It's like we were snowmobiling instead of uh, yeah you know, playing. <laughs> we were still playing. We got an extra month of playing time. Uh, so I'm going to go back to this uh, this deal with you and Lemkin. Yes, you like speed. Well, just like old Lightning McQueen. <laughs> I love speed. I can remember hitting the field with you a few times <laughs> and wondering, okay, am I getting out or am I staying in? <laughs> You know, as as I watch the Dodge pickup go through the air. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh. So, so see, Lemkin has worked really good for you because yeah. speed. <laughs> I've only had a few speeding tickets along the way. Only a few. Yeah, only a few. The local Especially county guys got me. Yeah, you know that Oregon one was good. Oh dear, you stole those stories, but uh, you know that's. Well, just this last week, I put a machine in the field with a guy, and the operator and the idea was going, hey, get going, get going, you know? <laughs> yep. And it's like, and you know, but it's something new. Mm-hmm. It's that paradigm shift again. People well, aren't used to it, and you say, oh, yeah, you get in the tractor, and you start going six, seven mile an hour, ten or 10 mile an hour, that's huge in the field. You know, uh, to that it doesn't point. doesn't feel like it on the road, but it's huge in the field. To that point, uh, you know. Here to support our dealers, right? Mm-hmm. A dealer up Montana calls and says, hey, Richard, this guy's got a problem with his machine. Can you come up? I'll be, be there tomorrow. Happened to be had some time in the schedule and got up there and we get in the field and we look at the machine and everything's set up right. Get in with the guy and he starts going and I'm going, so is this as fast as you're going? 
Yeah. I says, hit that gear shift a few more times. <laughs> and, you know, by then we were going up 10 miles an hour. We get out. We look at the job. We dig down. Oh, wow, that's what I want. Well, the farmer was obviously managing other things. The operator, this was his job. Mm-hmm. And the operator told the farmer, hey, this thing isn't doing a good job. So the farmer calls the dealer. We get there. Well, now, and, and the dealer, you know, he knows the stuff. He says, wow, that's, that's, that's what it's supposed to look like. I says, yeah. And, and so what it comes down is that new operator needed a little bit of training. And I think, you know, we're always used to, hey, go get in the tractor, hook up to this, go to work. Yeah, go to work. You've always known how to run the disc. Yep. That's not a big deal. But we deal. didn't realize that, oh, <laughs> I need to be in 12th gear to be buzzing across this thing at 10 miles an hour. Yep. To do the job that that's designed to do. And lo and behold, guess the farmer, yeah, I'm happy. Let's go. <laughs> but, you know, he was so busy with other things that he, and yeah, he saw what the guy had done prior, but he wasn't there when he was working it. So it's, uh, and, and I, that's the hardest element, I think, for guys is the working width and the speed adjustment. But at the end of the day, it's a win for everybody. It is. Well, and, and I think it goes back to what you are just saying, too. A little bit of training, but also making sure that when you get things started, you've adjusted and you've looked at what you're doing so that it is doing the job that you're after. Yeah, just because it worked this good here doesn't mean it'll work that good there. That's right. You need to look um, at the conditions. A, a, a point in kind is a, a, a grower. It was in October, I think about 2018. Calls me up. You know, spud harvest is done. They're just working up the rest of the spud fields, getting the winter wheat in. Calls up and says, hey, Richard, this Reuben 12 is just doing a crappy job. I says, well, I can be by this afternoon on my way home. I was out in western Idaho. I mm-hmm. can come back through. Uh, I call the dealer, and we meet over there. As I pulled up, it's like, yeah, I know what the problem is. I get my little Lemkin measuring stick, right? Go out there. You got 22-inch blades. Knew they're 29 inches. They're, so they're a 22-inch disc blade, I'm sorry, is not going to get you six or eight or nine inches deep. Yep. That 22-inch blade, you're going to get a best four. And, yeah, it does look crappy. And the farmer pulls up and he says, so what do you think? I says, well, a new disc plate. I use the measuring stick, you know, it's 29 inches. And you're down to 22. And he says, oh, well, I've only got two fields to finish. I'll re-disc it this winter. Tell the operator, just get her done. So, you know, it's a judgment call, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and we tell guys that, hey, yeah, once you wear basically four inches off that disc plate, you've exhausted the effective use that blade to do the job that you expect. Now, if you want to go beyond that, that's your call. That's right. <clears throat> but well, and it goes you, back you won't to, be happy. Yes. It goes back to maintenance and the things that you need to watch as well. Yep. So, yep. Well, kind of wrapping things up. It's been enjoyable to sit here and visit. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I had to bring up a little bit of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the need for speed. Yeah. That's why I figured it worked really good. So yeah, you did. <laughs> so any closing remarks that you would? You know, I, I would just say as, as a company, we're grateful for the partnerships that we have. You know, our dealers, our, our the sales guys, the service guys there, 
we're grateful for the trust that we have with the growers and grateful for them. Um, they're the ones that are help driving what might be next. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I go over to Germany here in another month or so for some focus group meetings. Uh, we view on some R and D stuff and, and it's fun. Lemkin's got a lot of neat things coming. Um, I'm grateful for the partnerships we have that aren't like the farm. I mean, like Gary Farmer and, and mm-hmm. consultants like the Ray and Kobe Yep. You know, the whole industry. I mean, and it's it just that the farmers, you know, we wouldn't be here without them. That's right. And and I'm, I'm grateful, though, also for the, the people I get to work with. Um, yes, they're in Germany. They're eight hours ahead. It, it lends to some dynamics. Uh, they do speak very good English, mm-hmm. which I'm grateful for because I can't speak German. <laughs> so, yeah. my, I have some ancestors that came from Germany. But uh, I, I would say this, that uh, just thankful and grateful for everybody for what they do. Grateful for having an open mind. And, and, and uh, thanks for pushing. And, and we look forward to continue to provide you know, solutions that help the growers. That's my greatest joy it is. Is, is to see the, the look on that grower's face or the conversation of saying, hey, Richard, you know, one guy says, I can't afford to farm without Lemkin. I says, so how so? He says, I save passes. It saves fuel. It saves time. It saves depreciation. It saves hours on a tractor. You know, I get a better seed bed. Um, I've never had this good of a flat-looking field. And, and I, that's a tribute to the whole process mm-hmm. is, is and, and I, you know, when we go and do demos, it's amazing, Brent, that to the standard people hold us to. I can recall doing a demo with this, uh, the older solitaire drill about four years ago. Mm-hmm. We're in the same field as a box drill. They don't even calibrate the box drill. No, they just kind of okay. knock the thing over and over. Oh, yeah. Go. I mean, we yeah, we calibrate because I tell guys you need to calibrate every time you say it's a seed variety or seed type or seed mm-hmm. lot. Yep. It takes three to five minutes, but you get you have a known deal and it's going to be accurate. Mm-hmm. And then when we go through the field, they're out there checking seed depth. And it's like, well, let's go check your other drill over here. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, but at the same time, it, it's good to be held to that standard. We'll perform to that standard. Yep. But uh, it, it's uh, but it is fun to hit the field and make that work, and, and then your results show for themselves, show for and themselves they prove it out, and they're happy after yep. that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're at, and that is, I think, the biggest key as a as a manufacturer of equipment. We are here to to provide solutions, not just to sell equipment. We'll get it right. Sometimes it takes a little longer. You know that. Yes. Yes, um, and sometimes it does. It, yeah. Uh, stub your toe every once in a while, and you, but you learn from that part so you can do the next. Exactly. And so it's great to have. And the input that you get from them, from the growers and from those around, it's it's nice to have that input. It, it's critical because if we don't have that input, we can't succeed. Yeah. We can't provide that so, solution. So, so we'll give them the number, your your phone number. So you yeah. Can, <laughs> <laughs> I think that phone number has been uh, – very well distributed besides it is online. So we know to that point, though, what's kind of neat is to see Lampkin's commitment, you know, wrap up is uh, we all have a full-time service guy now in the region. He'll start July 1st. Um, that's that's going to be good. great for our dealers. Yes. Uh, great for me because I can focus on other things instead of always. 
And it's not that it's always a issue, but I mean, you know, you, you're trying to, you got other roles and responsibilities and, and, and the growth of Lemkin is, uh, uh, been pretty tremendous. You, you see, you see a lot of blue. <laughs> we have, we've definitely and, seen. But it's interesting is you don't see a lot of use because of how long it does last. Or if a guy does trade in, somebody else has already got the name on that machine. So that it, it, it's, it's a good, it, it's a good win for everybody. Yes, it is. Well, we appreciate you guys. Um, and we appreciate the partnerships we get to do periodically. And, and thanks for inviting us. I really appreciate it, Brent. Thank you. Know. you.